Hey, I'm so glad you're joining us today online. My name's Sean and I'm one of the pastors here and we are in the middle of a series on the book of Philemon. Uh, it's the month of August. And so August through Labor Day, we do things a little bit differently in person. We're actually outside. And so um, outside doesn't work real great for doing online. So we're doing this kind of separate. It's just us, just our online family today. And, and um, we've been working through the book of Philemon. And if you haven't been with us for it. it. It may take you a minute to find the book of Philemon. You're probably going to have to use the table of contents right at the beginning, which by the way, anytime you're at church, the table of contents is totally fine to use. If you, if you, here's a little cheat code thing. If you have your phone and you go to the Bible app, if you have the Bible app, the Uversion Bible app, you should. And a um, little freebie, if you hit the home menu, you can click my church and you can add us and you can find devotionals and stuff that we'd recommend and get you plugged in and stuff like right now, if you go there, um, you can follow along and we've got some Bible study series in the book of Philemon, but that's not really what it's about. Let, let me show you a little trick on uh, the Bible app here. If you go to the Bible app and you're, you click on the book right at the top um, and books here, right? At the bottom, it says, I don't know if you can read that. It says traditional. Um, the, the next one over here, let me, let me just, there's no reason I can't get up here. The next one over right here, it says alphabetical. You can click on that sucker right there and it reorganizes everything. So you can find the book of Philemon super easy right that way. Okay, so there you go. Um, it <laughs> didn't have anything to do with what we're talking about today, but we're in the book of Philemon. And if you haven't been with us the last couple weeks, the book of Philemon is, um, it's generous to call it a book. It's really actually a personal letter from Paul who wrote much of the New Testament to um, this guy he knows named Philemon. We don't know a lot about Philemon, but we know that Philemon is wealthy and successful. And in the ancient Near East, wealthy and successful people had what is often referred to as slaves. Now, the, the word slave has so much emotion wrapped up for us um, with our American history. And in two weeks, next week, Jason's going to be teaching. But in two weeks, when we finish the book of Philemon, we're going to spend some time talking about slavery, about slavery in the Bible and the Bible's view on slavery. Um, but, but it should be suffice to say today that it is an accurate translation, but culturally, it's a very different thing. It might be better to translate um, what Onesimus was as a bondservant, right? Or an indentured servant. He's an individual more than likely who had a debt that um, Philemon was wealthy enough to pay off on his behalf. But now because Philemon paid off the debt on his behalf, Onesimus is going to work for him for as many years as it takes to pay off that debt. You can imagine, this isn't like a $600 credit card bill. Like this is a huge debt that will take years and years, maybe decades of Onesimus's life to pay off Philemon for what he paid for him. The problem is, the reason that we have this book is that Onesimus owes Philemon a debt and he's run away. He, he's run from that debt and, and he somehow he meets Paul and Paul, he, he ends up um, meeting Jesus through Paul and Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon, the man he'd robbed from, the man he'd run away from, the man he owed this incredible debt to, carrying a letter that he himself, Paul, wrote 
to Philemon. And when we look at this story that we see unfolding here, we think of it a story of a story of a slave. But here's what I want to propose to you today. Here's what we want to look at about the story. Um, This isn't actually a story about a slave. It's a story about three slaves. It's a story about three different men, all enslaved in different ways, and trying to sort out and figure out how those things fit together. I think one of the reasons that we often find it hard to, um, or you may think that it sounds odd to imagine the story as a story of three slaves is because the way we understand freedom. Uh, For most of us, freedom and slavery are uh, uh, opposing ends of a spectrum, right? Liberty and freedom, right? right? I mean, our great mantra, our value, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is the great value of our nation. And we see liberty or freedom as an opposing tension on a spectrum from slavery. Bondage and slavery is one end, and freedom and liberty is the other. Being able to do whatever I want, having total autonomy to do whatever I want, comes on in our minds so often on the opposite spectrum of restrictions and Often in the church world, we talk about religion and legalism. And these are these opposing forces of bondage and slavery to freedom and liberty. And so when we look at the story of Philemon, we think, well, Onesimus was the one in bondage. Paul is advocating that, 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 um, that, uh, that Philemon set him free so that he too can become a man of, of freedom, a freedman with liberty to pursue what he wants. But I think that when we look at the Bible, that view of freedom as an opposing tension to bondage and slavery and servanthood is is a false dichotomy. It's not a good definition of how scripture talks about Slavery, and it's not just in the Bible, and the way that the scripture talks about liberty, it's not just in the Bible. Um, famous Roman who lived decades before Jesus was even born, Marcus Cicero, said this excessive liberty, excessive freedom leads both nations and individuals into. Excessive slavery. That there is an interconnectedness that slavery and freedom aren't opposing polar opposites. That there is a kind of slavery that comes at the end of the extreme of liberty and freedom. Eric Hoffer said this, The basic test of freedom is perhaps less in what we are free to do. We look at Philemon, he was a wealthy man. He was free to do whatever he wanted. So when we look at Philemon's life, we go, well, well, he must have been free. And Onesimus, 
was restricted in what he must do and the ways he must serve and the person he must serve. And so he must be in bondage. But he says that freedom is perhaps less what we are free to do than in what we are free not to do. Charles Kingsley said this of freedom. He said there are two freedoms. The false, where a man is free to do what he likes. And the true, where a man is free to do what he ought. You see, it's easy for us to look at Onesimus, who Paul refers to as a bondservant or a slave or a servant, a man who is um, indentured in servitude to another man. It's easy for us to look at Onesimus and go, well, clearly he's a slave. He has a debt to work off. He, he has things in his past that he has to repay for. And some of us today, wherever you are, Whatever's been going on in your life, some of us understand the weight of the debt Onesimus had to pay. For some of us, there are things that have happened in our life that we've spent the last months, years, or even decades trying to pay back for the failures of our early life. For some of us, there is a debt that we, that, we, that we accumulated because the way we treated people, because the decisions we made. And it's all wrapped in shame and pain and regret. And for some of us, even, even decades and decades later, we have been trying to find a way to convince ourselves, to convince God and to convince others that we've paid our debt that we've done enough good things to pay off the debt that we accumulated. And we have spent years and decades in bondage to the shame and guilt of our past. For some of you, the things you find yourself in bondage to in your past are things you've never even told anyone about. It was one night, it was one season, it was one time, or maybe it was for a really long time. And you think back and you just weld up with shame and you walk with an insecurity because, because, because you know, because you believe that if other people knew, they'd never accept you and you walk in a place of loneliness and bondage, and you walk in a place where it's hard to believe that anybody actually loves you because nobody knows this one thing that you were in chains to. Some of you, it's not a thing in your past. It's a thing right now that you're enslaved to. But there's another type of slave in the story. There's Philemon. Now, now you, might, you might look at Philemon and go, how could he be enslaved, right? I mean, in America, liberty is the choice to do what we want. Philemon is a wealthy businessman, a man of power, a Roman citizen. He could do whatever he wanted. 
In fact, he spent most of his life doing whatever he wanted. Here's what I'd propose to you. Here's what I'd propose to you about Philemon. If you spend some time studying through the scriptures, we're going to see the contrast in a minute of the opposite view. But if you spent time studying scripture, if you were honest about yourself, most of us are enslaved to our own appetites. Most of us are in bondage to our own desires. Just recently, uh, right now I'm coaching, I'm a coaching staff for high school football and we had a little team meeting and we were talking about what it means to be a part of a team. And we talked about that we have two choices when we're part of a team. We can either choose what I want or we can choose what is necessary. You see, a lot of times we, we think that we are grown adults and we can do whatever we want. But when we pursue our own desires constantly over and over and over again, we actually become enslaved to them. If all we do is eat whatever we want, if all we do is indulge in whatever we want in that moment, or constantly to our appetites, we become enslaved to those things, but it is actually only through the disciplined restriction of our appetites that we get to accomplish, that we get to grow, that we get to mature, that we get the power, that we get the opportunity to do things we couldn't do before. We were talking to these football players and we told them, the only way we're going to win games, the only way we're gonna be successful is if each one of us chooses to restrain our desires in the moments when we don't want to run anymore, when we don't want to push ourselves anymore, when we don't want to show up early, when we don't want to um, give extra effort, right? When we, when we don't want to go to bed, that if we choose to restrain ourselves, then we as a team serving one another in restraining even our freedom to do what we want, get to do things we would never otherwise be able to do. Philemon had the ability to indulge his desires in whatever he wanted. I mean, it's, we, we see it. He, he had slaves. He had servants. He could take his money. And he could pay off someone's debt and he could make them do whatever he wanted for the rest of their life or for decades or for years. And as much as we may in America think that the indulgence of our appetites is what defines freedom in those, in those patterns, in those philosophies, in those thoughts, we actually become as much enslaved as Onesimus is. I wonder, I wonder if we could be honest enough to see the ways that we have enslaved ourselves in our desire to indulge our appetites. I wonder if we could see in our, in our finances the ways where we have experienced heartache and stress and pain because of our unwillingness to restrain 
our appetites. I wonder if we could see in, in relationships, busted and broken relationships, because we were unwilling to restrain our appetites and marriages. If we can look back on dating relationships or marriages and we can see the places where we chose our own appetites over the person who stood in front of us and the kind of carnage that that created with our children, with our parents, with our workplaces, with our community, with our neighbors. Freedom, freedom, as it's been said, is not, is not the ability to indulge in whatever we want. Freedom is about what we are not required to do. And Philemon finds himself as a man who has spent his whole life indulging himself in whatever he wants, and Paul is calling him to something different. Paul's calling him to sacrifice. This is what he tells him to do with Onesimus, to let Onesimus free and to treat him as a brother, to sacrifice at his cost, to give up his freedom, to require Onesimus to come and work off his debt for the better of his brother in Christ. But there's another slave. There's a third slave in the story. We have Onesimus, a slave to his past, a slave to his debt, a slave to his brokenness. We have Philemon, a slave to his appetite. And then we have Paul. Look at how Paul addresses himself in Philemon 1 verse 9. He says this, Yet for love's sake, rather, I appeal to you, since I'm such a person as Paul, the aged, the old man, but he says this, and now also a prisoner. Look, if you've got your Bible open, look at who he says he's a prisoner of. He, he, before I read it, let me tell you what we know historically. Paul is in all likelihood in a Roman prison, right? But look at what he says. He doesn't say, I am a prisoner of Rome. He says this, and now also I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Romans 1. Romans 1, he, he introduces himself in his great treatise in the book of Romans. I mean, just this magnificent theological book. Look, look at what he says. He says this, Romans 1 verse 1, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. Paul, the first thing he defines himself is a slave of of Christ. This story is really a story of three different choices we have in our lives. We have the choice to be um, an Onesimus, enslaved to the brokenness of our past. We have a choice to be Philemon, a slave to our own appetites and desires, or we can be like Paul, a slave of Christ. Romans 6. Verse 16, Paul's talking about what it means to be a slave and the choice we have. And he, he says this, he says, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? You are slaves of the one whom you obey. So maybe an honest little 
uh, reflection we need to do for ourselves today is, um, who do you obey the most? Do you, do you obey God the most? Do you obey your appetites? Do you obey your shame and your guilt? But thanks be to God that through, that, that though you were slaves of sin, every single one of us, that was our state, every single one of us was slaves, obedient to our sin, obedient to our appetite, obedient to our guilt and our shame. He says this, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you instead have become slaves of righteousness. Paul sees something in this Christian walk that makes slavery, slavery and freedom seem interdependent. In Christ, as followers of Jesus, Paul has been set free but he tells us all through the book of Romans, he hasn't been set free to do whatever he wants, to run around however he wants, and to indulge in whatever he wants. In fact, in one part in the book of Romans, he says, um, should we go on sinning? You know, right, since we have freedom and Jesus has paid the cost, should we just go on and do whatever we want? Then he says, may it never be. That, that each one of us is going to choose to be obedient to someone or to something. And we have a choice. And the good news of the gospel is that we, because of what Christ Jesus can, has done, can be broken free from the bondage of your past. The shame and the guilt that you carry, that Jesus tears apart those chains and he can invite you to a choice to be obedient to him. And in being obedient to him, we can find a kind of freedom and a kind of life that is more beautiful and good. But it comes in obedience. This is the call of Jesus over and over again. You remember this? He, this is what he says. He says, um, he says, take up your cross and follow me. In fact, it comes in the book of Matthew right after he's described to the disciples that he's going to go and die. And he tells them, he says, he says, freedom and hope and life looks the same for you. Wh whoever um, loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever submits himself and gives himself to following me will find a kind of life. But anybody who tries to save it, who tries to indulge his own freedom, who tries to pursue freedom, there, there was this one quote I came across and it said, um, often in our fight for freedom, all we find is another master. And you have a choice today. I have a choice today. Right? There's a famous old passage in, in, the, in the book of Joshua. It says, choose this day whom you will serve. It is a myth of American culture that we can be this autonomous free floating being with total free will to do whatever we want. You and I, you and I unmoored from obedience to our father will be enslaved to our own sinfulness and our own appetites. And there will be shrapnel that will explode on the lives around us. We have a choice. 
We have a choice whom we will serve. Paul writes to the church at Galatia, he talks about freedom. To the church at Galatia, and he writes this letter that he sends to them in uh, Galatians 5, verse 13. Listen to what he says about freedom. He says this, church, this is us. He, He says this, but you were called to freedom, brethren. Like like what Jesus is doing in the cross is breaking the sins of the guilt and shame, breaking the sins of your addiction and your appetite. That's what Jesus wants to do in you. That's the good news today, that Jesus can do that. That, 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 It says this, it says that there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those things that are back there, or even those things you're wrestling with today, Jesus can crush the chains of those things and set you free. But freedom comes in obedience to Father. To Father, And look what he says. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. That, that, what, what Paul's saying is, that's going to return you back to the same kind of kind of bondage you were in before. But through love, isn't this what Paul calls Philemon to? He says, I can command you to do this. I can command you to set free Onesimus. But instead out of love, love for your father, love for your brother. But through love, serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement you shall love your neighbor as yourself church there is a great invitation of christ to freedom but that freedom that freedom becomes toxic and destructive when that freedom becomes about me having the opportunity to do whatever I want. As Paul says, may may it never be. See, we have three types of slavery to choose from, three types of bondage to choose from. We can, like Onesimus, be in bondage to the debt of our past. We can, like Philemon, be in bondage to our appetites and others will be consumed and destroyed by it. Or we can be like Paul, a servant, obedient to our Father. Obedient to our Father, serving one another out of love. And that kind of community, that kind of mercy and grace and sacrifice and service for one another, that kind of community will will, will set the world on fire. That kind of sacrifice, that kind of servant, that kind of bondage will bring a kind of life that will ripple into eternity, that will bring a kind of life that will transform and redeem and bring your soul just leaping inside of your body. That kind of life is the kind of life Jesus was talking about. This passage Jesus says, he says, "Um, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. He's not talking about the indulgence of all of your appetites. He's talking about a kind of life free from the guilt and the shame of your past, free from the addictions of your appetite, free instead 
to savor and enjoy the goodness of God, to experience his grace and mercy on you as he set you free and to be a part of the team that is breaking the chains of injustice and bondage in our world and to see those enslaved set free and to call them brothers and sisters. Church, what will it be? What will it be for you? I just can't desperately plead with you enough to know this. That God wants freedom for you, not because of anything that you've done, but because of his goodness. Last thing, it says this. One of the great things that Paul teaches about is he says that once we have become slaves of righteousness, obedient, you know what we're called? We're not called slaves. We're called sons and daughters. Heirs of our Father. God wants to lavish his goodness on you because of his goodness, because of his grace. May you, may I, may we walk in confidence of his grace and mercy. May we walk in submission and obedience. May we, may we run and sing and rejoice because the grace 